my whole process has been one step at a time. Uh, my like one of my in life is just balance and everything in moderation. And then I would say another thing is just like finding joy and happiness in the journey and the process. Um, I think if if you're missing that part, you know, no goal is is really worth it if if the day to day is so you know if you can't find the joy and the happiness in that because I think when you doesn't matter you know you you win a medal you win a tournament you know that last you know just for like a little bit. Um, but everything that you built and you put into that, you know, that's, those are the defining moments. That's what kind of made you that player that was capable of winning something, winning that title. Um, so I think it's really important to be proud of the process and proud of the journey and what you do it like day in and day out, the little stuff, because that's what makes you, you know, a champion at the end of the day, when you're able to use those skills to showcase it and actually win something. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Better at Beach Volleyball podcast, where all we talk about and all we discuss is ways to get better at the game uh, and in the end, just become a better human, a better person. And so if you're looking for volleyball tips, tricks, and uh, knowledge from pros and coaches, this is the place to be. Today on our video slash podcast, uh, we have Sarah Skirmerhorn, AVP, FIVB Pro. She's got a medal under her belt, and she's got a high of a second, which is a life dream of a finish for 99.9999% of everyone out there. And I'm, I'm sure she is ready to get her first this year. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have her on. She's helped us with our camps in Florida when we run our Better at Beach Volleyball camps, seven-day training vacations, and the reviews from our players were just that she was crazy fantastic as a person and a coach. So uh, without further ado, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Hey, thanks, Mark. appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to uh, chat some volleyball stuff with you. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah. You are partnering now with uh, Corinne Quagle, and you are on your way to Doha in a wee bit. Uh, but what yep. was your day like today? Like if we we're just diving in right into the life of, of Sarah, what was your day today. like today? What did you do? Today. So we had an 8 a.m. practice this morning. So we were up, quick little breakfast um, on the court at 7.30, setting up. Our coach is currently in Brazil right now. Mm-hmm. So we bring our that? speaker, uh, Victor okay. Gomez, Victor Gomez. So he's he's coached me for the past, God, ever since I started, he was one of my first coaches. Um, but he's currently in Brazil and with COVID, he was able to kind of go online and be like an online coach. So we go down, we set up, he sends us a Zoom link we set up our cameras and he's able to be live with us at practice. Um, I think I saw Corinne in Florida actually doing one of those sessions last time I was there. She just had the camera set up a little like kind of speaker Bluetooth attached to it. And it's so cool. I mean, maybe we could get into that later, but the idea that you can set up a camera, you can coach literally like you can do online coaching live. uh, And, you know, we do, a version of that not not quite as in detail as you guys do where we're actually right. at the practices but it's possible for a coach to be there no matter where they are in the world and see what you're doing guide your practice and, and start noticing things so what's yeah. that experience like yeah it's been really cool so i guess at the start of covid we Vic, victor was back in brazil and you know we had some well, there was definitely a learning curve i would say mm-hmm. um but he's been doing it for about two years now and um you know, he's got his two camera angles that he likes to have. Um, 
and it's pretty cool because he can set up in his room and uh he's got you know two monitors he can sit there with a notepad and take stats and he can give you know just direct feedback back to us um it's been pretty pretty incredible yeah and he's i mean he's he's a really special coach coach so um he's got lots of good tidbits that he throws in Um, what do you think his best his best asset as a coach like if you were to say like this is the one thing that i appreciate victor the most for Mm, that's he's got a lot of good ones but i would say the best thing that he's good at is kind of incorporating the mental training into practices like a lot of coaches talk about it or the of the game is so important um but he brings in kind of different techniques um that consciously you know our practices are more i guess like you know frontal lobe conscious thinking um so that when we kind of get into the match situation um you know we're operating a little bit more uh smoothly and just kind of in his in his own now is he guiding you uh in terms of hey this is how you focus hey this is how you problem solve or this is how you communicate like which type of mental coaching uh is the kind of touches on all this okay yeah um cool. and a lot you know a lot of what we practice is you know it's 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 working on ourselves it's working on you know how we handle our emotions how we deal with certain situations obviously you've got you know volleyball is a very intimate sport with your partner um mm. so how you communicate with your partner is very important but i it's 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 nice i feel like um, Corinne, Victor, and I, we all kind of, you know, understand, you know, where he's coming from. Um, not to say everything's perfect and everybody gets along hundred percent all the time, but just having the understanding and that back... to, to go yeah. forward, like there's no <laughs> way you get along if everybody's trying to be their best, you know? Right. But it's just that trust in the process and trust in each other and knowing that, you know, if we follow the process and you know, it'll all come together. Okay. So uh, you guys are, kind of working through the the relationships it seems i don't know you know social media is interesting weird fun it seems yeah. like you and corinne just get along we've we've spent a lot of time together since we've partnered up um hmm. me being in florida her being in california um we've just kind of made it work where we're you know we're practicing together a lot i think my husband has seen corinne about every time that he's seen me wow <laughs> just because you know um but it's it's all good. Yeah, we um we get along. She it kind of feels like a sister. Kind of just like she fits right in to That's the family. Awesome. Um, her her parents are awesome. Her mom plays pickleball. My mom plays tennis and pickleball. Um, she's got two siblings. She's a middle child. I have two siblings. I'm a middle child. Not awesome. that those are like you know, but yeah, um, but you got stuff to talk about right away. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you um, can nod your head and be like, uh uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, both of both of our dads are like big big speakers. Uh. You know, they, they're like, well, Corinne's dad does uh, speaking for a living. Um, that's awesome. And my dad was in sales, so same thing. So that's um, speaking for a living, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, but Man, yeah. Man, I want to no, take I mean, some just... school from from both of your dads. Like, public speaking is something that I really want to get into. Um, and then sales is something that I have no idea how to do, uh, but we have a company. So there you go. I'm just yeah. like, you know what? I'm just going to talk to people. And uh, maybe that'll <laughs> tell people to come to our camps and courses. Yeah. No, I feel like you're doing a pretty good job, Mark. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. Getting there. Maybe. We'll see. But I would love to take some lessons for, from your dad, who uh, owns a company called Beach Bub. Beach Bub. Mm-hmm. Tell Stands me about, for... just briefly, tell me about Beach Bub and what it is and how people can get one. Beach Bub stands for Beach Umbrella Base. 
Um, so we just shortened it and turned it into an acronym. Mm-hmm. Um, but it started as just a base um, to hold an umbrella from flying away, you know, on a windy day or, or just on a normal day. Um, but it started from the base and it's kind of taken off. Um, the base was really stable. We had like a lot of people in the, in the early days came back and said, you know, the base is awesome. Where can we get a good umbrella that matches the quality um, of the base? So my dad was going out and he tells the story so much better than I do, but it also takes him 30 minutes to tell it sometimes because he's got all the, all the details. But anyway, lots he basically went out, lots of book points. He basically went out, developed a whole umbrella, a whole system. He's taken like, you know, goes after one point after another, but all the little weak parts of an umbrella, um, he's just really, you know, made better, made, made more sturdy. But the whole concept is it's, it's very similar to a patio umbrella um, where you have a weighted base. It's usually plastic filled with water. Mm. And my dad was sitting on the beach one day and saw an umbrella pick up, go down the beach and hit someone. He's like, what makes a patio umbrella work so well? And he's like, it's weighted. And he's like, well, we're sitting on the beach and we have all this sand that is, that's heavy. How can we use this to make a base? So basically the, the, the base itself is very light. The umbrella is very light and portable. Um, but it's just a triangular tarp. Your umbrella goes down through. Um, there's a hole in the middle just to kind of stabilize the umbrella. You fill it with sand. It holds 120 pounds of sand. And your umbrella is, it's all connected to the pole. So you're pretty much, you're, you're set for the day. All your weight's Perfect there. The when beach. you're done, you unhook it. You unload your sand. You walk off with your 10-pound little umbrella. That's great. But, all right. and but we you can get it on a, Amazon. Oh, yeah? You can get on, on Amazon, yeah, too? Amazon and and their website Beach Bub, but um, and you'll see them out at the AVP, um, cool. in the players boxes and and around. But um, but yeah, awesome. Nice to have a little family a biz that, that supports the VB game, and yeah, you got it's a built-in nice sponsor, which is uh, I know. always nice. Yeah, you can uh, go and uh, submit your expense report for Beach Bub. <laughs> I will. I will. Tax fee, yep. travel, and tournament <laughs> fees. I like that. Exactly. Oh. Um. So Sarah, uh, let's uh, dive back into the, your path through volleyball yep. and then beach volleyball. So when and why did you start playing indoor and, and or beach? Were you a beacher beach. first or indoor first? Uh, definitely indoor first. I grew up in North Carolina. Um, my whole family plays tennis and uh, my brother's really good at tennis. At so Elon University, of- is that right? Yeah, so he played at NC State for a year or two and then transferred okay. to Elon kind of the same time that I went in on my recruiting call. Oh, nice. So there's a little there's a little bit of like who committed first, but I think it was me and then he just went there the year before I did. But yes, he went we went to the same school. Yeah, everybody played tennis. He was really, you know, good. It was his thing. I think I wanted my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of like, oh, tennis practice, I don't know, I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna go. So I was like, Well, if you're not gonna do tennis, you know got to do something else. So yeah, there were volleyball tryouts. Swing. <laughs> yeah. So I um, tried out for volleyball and loved it. It's kind of a nice little mesh, uh, you know, had aspects of tennis, the overhead, yes. you know, the overhead serve. The arm swing stays aspects. and, you know, you could pick up I, I, a number of athletes have come from tennis and you're just like, I'll put you on a volleyball court and the, the serve and just yeah. like, at least when they hop and spike, it's just so natural immediately, just because you have that constant overhead high motion already right. built in. So right. I, the tennis was my first sport. And, okay, I didn't know uh, Yeah, I got that, like my the stupid slice serve that puts uh-huh. s- some people in trouble. And that's 
that's all my second serve. Like all my serves yeah. come from some version of tennis. Okay. And then, so, so you went there for indoor. So I went there for indoor and it was actually, so I went there from 2007 to 2010, but there were two years that we did a SOCON beach tournament. Hmm. Um, this was before beach volleyball was like, I guess they were, they were talking about it. Like my freshman off. Oh, we might make this a, an NCAA sport. So we did like, it was in the spring, everybody, you know, from the SOCON went to like their rec courts and their indoor coach, you know, just everybody just went out for like a week and kind of like learn the rules. Like you're not allowed to tip, you know, that's about, you Brutal. can't, you can't, you know, set with or receive what, you know, the very, very, very basic rules. I um, literally almost got in a fist fight. My first beach volleyball tournament, me and my brother had both played indoor and they kept uh -huh. calling us for doubles and we had played indoor and we know that that's like not a double in indoor. And right. we thought that because we were the new guys, like they were, messing with us or stealing points from us. So we like got in their face. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of the, like a little like 55 year old man was like, guys, guys, it's, it's, I think there's something you're not understanding. There are actual different rules right. from the two sports. And right. we're like, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we had to calm ourselves down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, it was definitely. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that there, I hope there aren't that many videos from, from that tournament or it would be funny to go oh, back and man, watch. That would be, awesome you should do yeah. a reaction video on youtube and just uh you know reacts to her first ever beach volleyball game that would be great yeah i don't know if there's video but if they're entertaining for sure but yeah so that was kind of my first experience and that even more so was like a good combination between tennis and indoor volleyball and i was like mm -hmm. okay this is this is really the sport this is like the golden sport i would love to play this At was it because time, it was like more freedom of movement so um you know in, like you had to I was cover in middle more? Okay. as a middle so like as a middle you're not really in control of the game you know you're kind of reacting you could go in play the whole front row maybe like you know block fake whatever you may not even get set you may not touch the ball and you come out yep so beach volleyball it's like you know it's it's a little yeah, more play. yeah yeah i get to play i have to play <laughs> and you know i and i like that about tennis where you kind of have to um you know you're the only one on the court there are no subs you got to figure it out you know if something's not going your way you got to figure out how to change it as quick as you can. Right. Um, so I like that aspect of beach volleyball. Um, kind of, you know, played some local tournaments, but then went overseas and played three years of indoor volleyball. Denmark and um, France. Denmark and France. Nope. Two years okay. in France. We were in neighbors. Denmark. I played in Sweden. Maybe we were there a little you while. You played in Sweden? Sweden and Norway, yeah. Yeah. It's cold up there. It was, I don't like the cold, but it was different. But I was kind of envious of of Denmark. I, I don't know. It, awesome. I, I think Scandinavia is awesome. Uh, I yes. don't like how expensive everything is. Um, I thought the people were just fantastic for whatever reason. The the language was kind of easy to pick up. Uh, Danish, I can imagine it being so hard because you're like gargling everything or hurrah, yeah. hurrah, hurrah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, but Swedish and Norwegian, I was, I was able to at least be conversational. Which yeah. is, that's kind of the coolest I, part. The Americans who go over and they don't learn any part of the language. I'm like, what are you doing? I, I, I learned a little, I learned like a couple words, but everybody, everybody in Denmark, even like the older generations, they all spoke English so well. It so was a well. very easy stepping stone into like living in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. They use words like uh, remarkable and, and, and you're like, <laughs> why do you know that word? <laughs> okay. So you're playing indoor um, and then uh, it, when, when does beach come along? 
so yeah, so I finished indoor, I guess, in 2014 and decided I was just, you know, I didn't want to do it forever. I kind of like had the experience that I wanted, came back, was living in North Carolina, was helping my brother with his real estate investment company. Um, there's a local club called Beach South up there. Uh, I don't know if you know, do you know Scott? Have you ever, no, Scott, Scott Cass Stevens? Yes. Cass Stevens. Yeah. I do. Yeah. So, yeah. So Beach South is his club, but he, um, he was like, Hey, if you want to coach, you know, we'd love to have you, whatever. So I was, you know, getting more involved in, you know, the training and, and, and beach volleyball up there. Mm. Um, and it was actually Scott, we were going down to Florida to play a tournament. Um, and he was like, well, it's women's open the first day. If you want to come, I can set you up with a partner you can play and then we'll coach the next day. And I was like, okay, it's kind of been a minute since I played because in North Carolina, you know, you're not like training back then. You're not really like training year round. Yeah. Um, So Kaylee Kaylee (laughs) Melville um, had just graduated from Stetson. She had played indoor and he was like, you know, she needs a partner, blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. This girl's like training and playing all the time. Sure. I'll go, I'll go pop in with her. Um, But yeah, we ended up, I think we took second. I think we played, I want to say we played Kim Hildreth and Kaya. In the wow. finals, but that it was, was a good. I mean, first it was like, open level beach tournament. Pro, I mean, aside from like a Wilmington or oh, screw you! That yeah. that's your first experience. I got my ass kicked in A and double A <laughs> for a while. Oh, Jesus. Okay. But you go know, on. Mel's, Mel's, Mel's a great <laughs> defender. We had. I mean, we just had a lot of fun, and so um, the rest of that year, she was playing NVL, but she mm. would come up and play a lot of the local stuff with me. Uh, yeah. Her parents lived in North Carolina, so we just, you know, scooted around and just played a bunch of tournaments, did really well. And she was like, you should just come to Florida and train with me for like a little bit. And yeah, she was pretty convincing and she basically got me to move there. That's awesome. Um, and I ended up staying with her roommate from college who I had never met. And we ended up living with them for two years. And she's one of my like great, awesome friends that, you know, to this day, we're still great friends. She's about to graduate, uh, get her nurse practitioner. Oh, wow. uh, degree uh, this weekend. She's an so, awesome but person. yeah, I mean, it's it's well, not Mel, but the girl that she hooked me up with. Oh, okay. Well, I still think Mel's an awesome person. So. Yeah, Mel is still awesome. I'm sure this other cat's um, cool too. <laughs> she's cool. So, but yeah, so that's kind of how it all started. And then, uh, do you know Raquel Ferreira? Yeah. Yep. So Raquel and Victor were kind of like my first coaches down there. The first season, Kim Kim was playing with Raquel, and I was playing with, Mel, and it was that was kind of our training group down there nice um it's a it's a small group you know you gotta have those small tight groups in in florida because there's not while the high level is still the highest level like competitively across the country there's only like a maximum of six people there so it's probably you're training against the same people all the time if you want quality competition whereas once you come out to california it's like which of this 30 person list should i call to see if they're available for practice Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. It was, um, I guess it was, I kind of like practiced and developed in a very different, you know, place. And the, 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 Cal- the California, I feel like everybody, you know, they switch their training group up a lot. They're always training with different teams. Um, it was kind of nice in Florida where we had, there were other times where Victor would coach us and he would bring his Brazilian team up. So yeah. we, it was like kind of the two of us going back and forth. They weren't really our direct competition. Um, but he could kind of dive into a lot of stuff, you know, as like a foursome of like what we were working on. We could kind of be on like the same, same path. And um, I don't know. I think that's really... what's missing from 
pro in California. You know, USA Volleyball has done a lot with their with like their A teams now, where mm-hmm. they've got four teams uh, that they'll invest in and they'll they'll bring all the coaches there. But they didn't do it long enough. They didn't do it early enough. And there's there's still not the pipeline that gets yeah. uh, the like at least uh, from the men's side there to say we are all working on this together and going right. forward. And all of the pros, it's so what's the word? It's cannibalistic. Almost yeah. because you want to train against other people, but you don't want to train against them too often because you right. think you want to diversify your enemies so that you can um, become equipped to battle a different person. And you also don't want them to learn your game too well. And you're also right. always seeing like if you could train against the next highest, like better team instead of, it, dude, yeah. it's about you. Right. You know, it's not about them. Like how good can you get? Can you keep your focus? And I think California misses that because of how many good players we have here it's yep. almost a bad situation well and and i just so much of what i liked about it was like we kind of went in and we're, we're building on our own program we have our own routine um you know when you go practice with another team it's like okay who's whose coach is running the practice mm-hmm. you don't necessarily you know sometimes they're like well what do you want to work on and it's just i don't know you you, you lose a little bit of like the on like just plan like where your coach is like this is how we're building you like from this part of the season to here and right. it's very very progressive and you know you've got those stepping stones and it's week in week out i mean it's it's nice for sure to to compete against different teams um but i don't i don't necessarily think you need it every day or not I, even every week i have a theory that like uh, american volleyball for beach would improve if you developed like three team clubs in the AVP, you know, instead of everybody always going against each other. So those three, you know, you practice together, you develop a plan, you set yourself forth, and then it's actually affordable instead of two people trying to pay one full-time coach. Now you've got six people paying a full-time coach so that that coach actually like they can survive. They can give you the time uh, to go into film with you, to go into your lifting program, to go into this. But when two people are, outside the top three rankings Uh they cannot afford a full-time coach you know and and we lose because of that and then only usa volleyball only supports you know the stipend for the top like three teams um ish give or take give or take yeah yeah so i you know i I think there's still something left to be desired for for what usa is allowing for where the level can get for americans and i think it NCAA on the women's side has taken care of that. Yeah. Uh, where and you guys are going to so... be kicking ass globally. But guys, yeah, I, I think. think... Yeah. yeah. But that is what's about the college college game is that you, you, you have that camaraderie and everybody is kind of working together. And so what if you know, like this person's strengths or weaknesses? Again, like you said, it comes back to like you, how you're going to perform. Um, you know, you, you know, some tendencies or whatever, but it's, it's basically, you know, you managing your own game over here. Um, but it's nice. It's nice to see the camaraderie. It's nice to see, you know, more than just like two people cheering, cheering for themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times, uh, in, in our world, it becomes one person cheering for yourself and just wondering if your partner's going to leave. That, yeah. You know? <laughs> 
and who who he or she is texting, you know, uh, after yeah, a rough practice. True. So let's just go back to uh, kind of your career. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there were any to be to be to have a to get to a final in AVP is unbelievable. To get a medal in yeah. FIVB is unbelievable. Now, is do you think that there was a significant exact point that you go? This was the most crucial time in my volleyball career. Like, was it Kaylee um, who just like brought you to the sand? Was it Scott inviting you to coach sand? Uh, or, or was it before that, you know, during indoor? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think like the moment where I was like, okay, beach volleyball is, is something that I could do was when we played those SOCON tournaments. Mm. Um, how old were you And then? that, how old was I? One, 19? 19 or 20. Oh, wow. Okay. So, all right. So in college, you were still like uh, in college. Up on the beach and indoor. Okay. That was like my first ever experience with like playing beach was, was that SoCon beach tournament. And I was a sophomore. So what are you as a sophomore? 19, 19 or 20. And I don't know. I just think I, I kind of always kept an open mind um, mm. that if an opportunity kind of presented itself that I, you know, and it was, and it made sense or it was the right timing that I would, you know, pursue it a little bit. So um, I just, I think I've just been very, you know, just an open book kind of, um, like I think when Ron Victor were my coaches, which I think I was very spoiled to have such high caliber coaches when I was, you know, just entering that were able to kind of small environment. Oh yeah, I know. I know. So, I mean, I think, I think things just kind of like fell in place, but at the same time, I think I just was, you know, just trying to be a sponge and absorb as much as I could with an open mind and just take it one step at a time. And I was like, okay, well, if this makes sense, you know, I don't think I moved to Florida to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm going for like going to be an FIVB, you know, AVP pro. Just want to play um, some volleyball. I just want to play some volleyball and learn and see if that's something that, you know, I'm capable of doing. And yeah. um, that's just kind of been my, my mindset from the, from the get go, like kind of still is my mindset. I think it's just, it's literally one day at a time. Um, see what opportunities, you know, present themselves and make the most of them. You know, it's cool to hear that like the, the root of it came from, and, and I've been big on this lately, community developers, people who put on tournaments, who put on leagues, who just start classes locally, uh, mm-hmm. who run, you know, for us, like we run our, our volleyball vacations. It, but to say that, that the availability of playing on the sand for you mm-hmm. may have created, you know, a major a major chapter in your life and and what gives you so much enjoyment just because you know somebody who was putting on a tournament you know putting putting right. on a league i think those people are underappreciated um guys like rich hylas uh and and wayne gant from from great american volleyball and anybody mm-hmm. who's got like two courts outside of a bar and decides to just at least create a list and a bracket for a tournament like right yeah, you're a community yeah. organizer. You've grown something, and some kid, somebody might find their future here. And I think that's true. Sure. I haven't actually ever thought about that. I don't know who actually ever was, you know, the minds behind putting, you know, running that for two years. But I, I do owe them a great thanks. So whoever that was, <laughs> we'll, we'll find them, guys. Comment. We need to find them. Yeah. Who was running? What was it? Con SoCon. So the SoCon was um, it had like Elon Furman, UNCG, uh, yeah, who else? Wofford. There, you know, there were just a couple. Brandon Fuller was playing at UNCG at the time. Hmm. So, and she, so she had some beach experience. And then there was a girl on my team from Orange County, California. So there were like two or three players in there that like knew, you know, were a little more familiar with beach volleyball for sure. 
And then the rest of us were just, you know, playing indoor on the sand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, sometimes it's not a bad way to go. I think more people yeah. can bring their indoor game better to sand. Um, just learn how to rip fingertips off when you need to, you know, when you're yeah. in trouble, like that's, that's a, that's a nice little move, but yeah. uh, indoor sand. So what do you think in terms of becoming a beach volleyball player? What do you think are the two most important attributes? They can be mental or physical, but the two most important attributes of a successful player. I go to the mental side of things. Um, I would say for, for me, um, one of the big ones is like finding the positive in a situation and mm. kind of goes hand, hand in hand with um, like being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Uh, because I just think there's so much, there's so much that can go wrong. There's, you know, you, you, you've got waves and ups and, ups and downs all the time. And it's such a fast sport um, that if you can just, so away, I always... you can, if you, I'm just saying, if you can focus on the positives um, and, and pull those out of every situation, um, then you just, you keep building on those and you kind of stay in that, stay in that headspace. So I think that's just an important co- like way of keeping a good mindset as you're. I, uh, I hold people apparently on this show to giving actual direct examples. Cause that's that, that whole thing of like being mentally strong, turn positive, turn negatives into positive. Right. Um, it, what was another one that we had recently, uh, mentally tough uh emotional intelligence like these are words that i say guest i apologize but you're gonna have to uh, dive a little deeper and give me a direct example direct of what you mean Uh, when you say turn something positive or be comfortable being uncomfortable uh, positive one for me is just the way you kind of communicate on the court i'm communicating to my partner and i'm like we want i want to change the strategy okay and I'm, i'm really frustrated with maybe something my partner's doing and maybe she's hitting line and they're just digging, digging her line. So I could kind of go two ways. I could be like, stop, stop shooting the line. Like they're there, whatever. Or I can give her a little bit more positive thing and say, Hey, she's running to the line a lot. You know, the cuts open, like the deep, hard swing middle, like, instead of just saying, this is what you don't have or putting the attention Mm -hmm. on what's not going well, why not give some positive feedback? That's, I I just think the brain does what, what you tell it to do. If you say, don't think of an elephant, an elephant. But if you direct somebody and you say, hey, think of uh, Steph Curry twirling a ball on his finger. Whatever you say is what people are going to think. Whether you put the the do or the don't in front of it doesn't really matter to our brain, I don't think. So, you know, just always trying to communicate in a way that's like what we want to happen, what I want to happen. And to my partner, and I think, you know, just that kind of that understanding, I think that's a big, big part on the court. So, you know, whether it's communicating or whether I'm, you know, self-talk to myself, the same, same sort of thing. You know, if I just pass the ball tight, what's the point in saying, God, that was too tight? When just say, hey, I'm going to just, hey, I'm going to pass this ball a little yeah, bit farther perfect. off next time. And I think that when you're talking, the communication, when you're saying like, hey, don't hit line anymore. That's, that doesn't give good instruction. You know, people want to no. learn what's available, what they can right. do. They don't want to, nobody wants to hear what they can't do. Well, people also you're leaving that. so many options open. Like I can hit the ball in the court over there. Mm-hmm. I can. I can shoot, I can swing, I can tool off the block. Like, yeah, I've, I've limited options of what, what I now, okay, I've eliminated one option. So I can't shoot the line. Yeah. What, like, okay, so now what am I supposed to do? Right. Like, let's, let's, hey, let's hit two cut shots right now just to hold her so that we have that line at the end of the match. You know, right. like little kind of 
maybe tricky, but uh, a yeah. little bit more positive way of putting it. And me, me and Chad, Chad's uh, hanging out here as well. Um, we we're talking yesterday about, I know mm-hmm. when somebody says, when, when somebody says, Hey, hit that cut shot. And, and she says, I know, or she says, Oh yeah, I know. Uh, I'll do right. that. You know, like there's a, such a different tone between tone when you huge. say, I know, or like, yeah, I know, I know. Okay. It, it, and it'll be received a different way. It'll create a whole different vibe between you and your partners. But that, sure. that statement of, I know, oof, that is a quick way to never get feedback from your partner ever again. And then you're That's, not sharing yep. information and you're done. Right. You know, yep. the, the way you say, I know, I think is, the is very The way crucial. you say, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, it's kind of like, I mean, just touching on communication again, I feel like even when you, you know, are, are calling a shot or maybe, you know, you're in service Eve and you're calling, you know, mine and yours. Um, well, let's just go back to the shot. You know, you can, you can be telling your partner like line, 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 or you could be like line, line, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes if you just, you know, the way you say something, you can really like make your partner, you know, act in a different mm-hmm. way. Um, yeah. But it's, it's all, it's all, you know, seems like little nuances, but they're all, I think, very important things to pay attention to and, you know, practice. It's important to practice, you know, how you're communicating with your partner, how your tone affects your partner. You know, maybe, maybe something too aggressive, make sure you just swing 110% and that's not, that's not necessarily good either. Um, mm-hmm. So right? I, I think, you don't want to get I them too mad because maybe they're terrible when they're aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> So they're just important things to, you know, think about and, and, you know, practice isn't just, you know, this, the skill and like, you know, the touching of the ball all the time. There's, there's a lot more that goes into it. We, um, just like a little kind of side note for a little tool that we have that we use while we're talking about it. Uh, we have a, a thing on better at beach.com and I, I think you should try it. Uh, it's called better beach.com forward slash partner profile. What it does is it, huh? it makes you answer certain questions about yourself and really, I stole half of the answers and just converted them from uh, a marriage counseling book. You know, I, I read a few books like on marriage and relationships before I got married. I was like, I'm going into this for the rest of my life. You better damn well know I'm going to research it and be good at yeah. it. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to be crap on marriage on day one. Like, let's go. Um, yeah. So I went to the marriage gym and uh, <laughs> got my one rep max up. But we developed it's If you guys are looking for it, it's called betteratbeach.com forward slash partner profile. And it forces you to answer questions about yourself that you probably don't think about. Like uh, for you, Sarah, what's the number one way to fire you up? What are, just give me like five words or a sentence that you know excite you or put you in a good mood. That put me in a good mood. Um, I don't, I mean, I would say, I'm just going to touch because I'm in this partnership right now with Corinne. I just, I feel like we just say things that like, make each other like giggle i know that sounds silly but like we just like laugh a lot back and forth Mm. um and it's just it's nice to go into a match um or you know practice just kind of in a a, like a good mood right um no matter what's happening you know we can like we can make jokes but then i feel like we both um can kind of go get into that zone but Mm -hmm. i think first and foremost we just we want to we want to go out and have fun and like have like enjoy what we're doing like we get this opportunity to play beach volleyball. So I think it's just like, all right, here's another, here's another opportunity. I'm excited. I'm happy to play this sport. I'm going to go out here and have fun and enjoy what I'm doing. Um, and it's just, I mean, I think 
both of us are kind of in that same place. So I mean, that honestly, just like going out there and be like, okay, let's like, we're just going to go have fun. Let's, you know, we do what we, we, we've trained this. We know what we need to do. It's literally get to go out here and enjoy what we've, what we've worked so hard to do. Let's just go enjoy. Um, Is there a wrong time to try to make you giggle? Like if you, if you just got blocked three or four times in a row, am, am um, I, am I supposed to tell you a joke as your partner or tickle you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tickle you. It's got to be the right. Uh, yeah. Um, again, those are like the nuances you kind of have to like understand with your partner because there are definitely, I think, I think talk about not, uh, you know, understand is tough to tell people like you have to know when nobody knows when you want something in your head emotionally you know and that's like so if if it's not the time to laugh anymore when right you're, you're, when you're being pushed around on the court somebody has to know that right um you haven't really i haven't quite run into that um, hmm. um you've just never been stopped in, i get it yeah in this no <laughs> in this partnership i haven't really i haven't really run into that there i mean but there are definitely times in the past where, where you're like God, yeah I, I know what you mean hmm. i know what you mean Tough. That's a tough. It's a tough. Sounds place like you don't have an answer. Oh, you got some. Little yeah, I, I don't have. I know. I'm a great. Um. Yeah. Well, what's the best thing to tell you? So this is like the next question. Like, uh, and you know, if again, guys, if you want to uh, check out this, we're not putting Sarah on the hot spot for more than one more question. But uh, <laughs> if you do want to check it out for you and your partner, it's super valuable. Just better at beach.com forward slash partner profile and there's a bunch of leading questions to discover what your game is about and what your emotional mindset is about so you can share that with your partner and then both get a feed so it sounds like the answer that one of the questions on the profile says what's the best way to start your engines and for you it sounds like having a good time get me laughing get me in a positive mood whereas you know some guys might be like punch me in the chest 13 times right. and that'll you know, make <laughs> me like want to kill somebody and that's how i play well um so what would be a turn off for you? What is the absolute wrong word or trigger if you're, you know, for your partner to tell you after you got blocked or dug three times in a row? Um, like kind of going back to like, you know, the neg, like, like we can't do this anymore or that's uh, not working or, you know, just, it's just something that's like open-ended where you didn't really offer a solution there. You just kind of reinforced that. Yeah. That I, I can see that's not working. Like that's, that doesn't really, that doesn't really help me. If you tell me that's not working. I, I thank you. Don't like, I'm not. Wow. I'm I not forgot dumb. we lost that point. I think I'm the smart person. I think I can analyze and realize that. Yeah. It's not successful. Um, so yeah, I think, I think just, something that were kind of like undermines or questions like your you know your your intelligence or your mm. capabilities on the court you know mm. maybe um so again that kind of goes back to just really trusting your partner uh trusting that you you know i i know what they're capable of they know what i'm capable of and speaking to each other and communicating in a way that's you know like if they make a joke or something it's like it's not that like i don't think you're you're not capable or it's kind of maybe like Oh shoot! That was just a really good block, and maybe that's why we yeah. laughed. Not like a dumb move on your part, or you know, it, it it's 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 tricky. Um, and there are just those little nuances and connotations, and just the way you communicate. So, would a um, safe default for you be keep ripping? You got this. Yeah, exactly. Just keep it positive. Okay. Yeah. Give me, um, give me, and you give don't me want the... somebody to try to find a solution, like to tell you a certain hit uh, at that point or what's open 
or to tell you to breathe or to give you like technical feedback. Uh, last bit would be like, okay, the, so the safe default is to tell you to do something positive, but uh, yeah. you don't want technical feedback when you're in trouble. Uh, it could be, it could be technical if it's like, um, you know, like maybe someone's if it's like a do by... instead of a don't do. Yeah, yeah, like they're they're swinging line. If 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 someone's you know kind of beating me on the line, it's like I you know they they keep going line. Maybe just that you know that one more step and really like seal that line. Like you got it. Just you know reach that hand that line. Um, okay. So it could be it could be okay. I could so take you have it just... if instead of um do this or don't do this. That's right. the best way just, maybe to. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the don't do this. Okay. That's a big yeah. That's a big turnoff to me. I think I think for a lot of people that is, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and and people go through it constantly, and they're just like, all right, well, what what am I gonna do then, you know? And, and right. again, the, the going back to like that one thing where it's, don't tell me what I can't do. Now, now I'm gonna try to prove you wrong. Exactly. Unless it kind of gets you, you know your mindset. partner so well that like you love like the uh triborn, where it's like, tell me I can't you right. know <laughs> right yeah but that belongs to come from somebody else maybe not your partner but if yeah. you know that that person next to you loves the challenge like you won't hit over him right now i bet you can't hit over him straight down you know just to right. try to get him to reach higher yeah it's yeah gonna, it's different fun. but that's still got like playful positive connotation yeah yeah nice yeah so it, knowing knowing what words set you off knowing what reactions set you off if, if you don't know them as a player you have right. to learn them. If you as a coach don't know them for each individual player, you're not being a coach. Yeah. Um, especially long term. Like short term, okay, you know, you only got so, so much time, but through a season, if you don't know that when you say, Hey, you're being really lazy right now, that that for me, that's my trigger. If a coach right. calls me lazy, like that's the literally the one thing in my life that I've prided myself on never being my entire life. Like I right. always work uh if you, as soon as you call me lazy i don't have respect for you as a coach anymore because i know right. that you're blind you know right um, right so that's right that's my like, trigger word for sure right anything that kind of like puts in doubt like who you are as a person mm. um yeah like it's a real it's a, it's a turnoff it's like okay you maybe you don't really know me and then yeah it's hard it's hard and then trust is broken that trust you know? is yeah exactly exactly cool Okay, uh, we'll get you off the hot seat. But if anybody else uh, okay. wants the, the partner profile, uh, betteratbeach.com forward slash partner profile. Really cool thing to go through to just discover some things about yourself. There are some questions that like like you saw here that they're going to take you a little bit of time to think about. And you're probably going to have to think about like what partners pissed you off the most in your life, your career, and what exactly they said and when they said it during that time, just to figure it out so that you could at least warn the next partner of the baggage <laughs> that you carry. <laughs> yeah um well all right so coming as a middle let's go back to the, yeah. the indoor to beach transition and and maybe yeah. this is just current but what do you think what skill or technique has been the hardest for you to learn or master um along um, the journey what's the most painful yeah i would okay so i i mean just initially my when i when i first kind of started training in florida with raquel and victor um footwork as a blocker was just so different because as a middle, it was just very much like turn and go. Like, you know, read where the set's going, turn, run, get there, close the block. Mm -hmm. So the whole concept of like little adjustment steps and kind of staying, you know, facing the net the whole time and lining up at the block. There were times, I remember working on that for months where it was like, you know, I and I thought I did a good job. And then my coach was like, all right, what was wrong? I was like, the lineup. 
I guess. So question, I don't know. Perfect, I was right? like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, was the lineup not good? I don't. Was it not? Was it not there? And they're like, you yeah, know. So I mean, just that concept, I think, um, was 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 different. And footwork was. I remember we worked a lot on just like footwork along, like along the net, um, and kind of. I mean, you just have, you have a little bit more. You have that time to kind of like front somebody and kind of you know jump and, and and go as a middle you're just literally like as soon as you land you're just trying to close the block so that that was that was definitely a skill that we worked on a lot um so pulling. if you could dive into shuffle like the shuffle and adjustment steps for those people who are uh, a six six b player you know right what do you mean by adjustment steps as a blocker so i think i think for me um like again when you're when at least when i block at the night i always kind of have one foot forward um oh because, really again okay you're you're ready to pull so as i you know if i'm moving to the we'll just say this side then i have this foot forward a little bit and i'm kind of leading you know with this foot okay so if, if you're I, on the if, left side of the court your left foot would be forward if you're on the right side of the court your right foot would be yeah forward. if i'm moving yeah my okay. kind of my leaf my leaf foot is always a little bit forward mm -hmm. um and then if I, you know, if I decide I want to block, then I, I kind of close that other step in and go block. Or, you know, if you're ready to pull, then you kind of drop that foot back. Um, but you're kind of a little bit like weighted, you know, on mm -hmm. that on that lead foot a little bit. Um, whereas I think, you know, indoor, it's just it's so explosive and so quick. You don't have that time where you're, you know, you can take that little adjustment step. Uh, but, yeah, they're they're a little bit small and just kind of like going with that lead foot. And that just takes me into pulling as well. Like as a middle, you don't ever pull. So. What is pulling? That's that's been fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can be. Pulling is um, a, another level of adding to your game. I think for Alex Kleinman, like when she added that to her game, then right. it was then it was pretty much over. Uh, yeah. her ability to she didn't have that her first I guess year and a half on tour, and then she just started peeling a lot more consistently, and and picking people up easily with her hands defense i think hands defense is so important for women yeah and it's interesting because i think that they're less likely to as they're coming up through the game to want to use it because yeah. of the strict calling with carries hard driven balls um yeah. you know women have like less upper body strength so you can have a, a b woman player and a b guys player and there can be a, a b level guy player who can mash a ball but right you don't really see that out of like a b level woman and so you can't you, you don't get the practice at the lower levels of using your hands right right no that's true for sure do, do you i have a, a side question but um okay. i know my answer to this but why do you how do you explain the difference between guy blocking and, and girl blocking when most women, I would say, start in the stagger step, like you're saying, with one foot back, yeah. and all men start straight up, squared up to the net? Why is there a difference there? Straight up and squared up. Yeah. Um, well, the guys hit a lot. The guy's net is a little bit higher. Um, so, I mean, I think shots have a little bit, you've got a little bit more time to run things down. Maybe the defenders, mm -hmm. I don't think the guys pull as much. Mm -hmm. I don't think they pull as much. Um, so I think, I don't know, there are a lot of guys that kind of go real, real deep and they just try to get up and go really high. I mean, everyone's jumping so high. I think you, they just get up really just want to press and take away that hard driven ball. I think guys swing more than girls. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. And I think from a guy's standpoint, you know, it, there are dudes that can still from 12 feet off hammer and right. just like uh, still take your defender's head off. 
Um, and there's just that that less likely that guys are going to peel. And maybe guys should peel more. Yeah, I, I don't know, but uh, but they definitely don't. And there's definitely a power difference, you know, between yeah. the two games. Um, but it's it's always interesting to see like uh, women always start with the one foot off the net and. Does that mess with the lineups? Does that make the lineups better? Or does it just leave more access to peeling, which is more likely to happen in the women's game? Yeah. It's always intriguing to me to see the guys completely squared up, feet next to each other, and women always in the like ready-to-run stance. The, a little bit of stagger, yeah. No. Yeah. Something to look at. And, and I would, I, I really want to do that, just that full study of let's take the next AVP tournament and just count the number of peels on the women's side and number of peels on the men's side. And That'd be a good step. At least have that stat. Yeah. Yeah. What's stopping okay. you? What's holding you back? It's coming <laughs> up somebody. one week. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So, so the shuffle steps and the lineups for blocking were probably, yep. you think the hardest, most like pain in the butt thing for you to learn. Was there um, something yeah, that made it easy or was it just having the coach discuss uh, it? I just, you? I mean, I just, I just think, we, I, I think the whole like first month or two that I was down there, I don't even think we hit the ball. I think it was a lot of like very basic fundamental technique um, stuff. So it was just really take our time and build, build from the bottom up. Like there's no, no point in going like live if you don't have those fundamentals. Um, and that was, you know, they made it very clear that, you know, there's no point in me teaching or talking about part D or C or, you know, whatever, if you're still here in A. So, um, it was just very much a building building process. Um, but yeah, setting was also a fun one too. Are you a hand setter or yeah. a bump setter currently? Bump, bump setter, I, I break out the hands occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, just the whole concept of like spacing when you're, when you're setting um, and really like lifting and using your legs was, mm-hmm. was interesting. But again, I kind of jumped into a group that was beach for a while. So for me, it was really nice to be able to go through like setting rotations. Again, both the girls I played with were defenders. So I didn't really have that on the blocking side, but definitely on the setting side, you know, just to go through setting rotations where I could watch them mm-hmm. do something. And then, and then I got to go do it. I just think visualization is huge. And I was like, okay, I could just see their, see their movements and, and, you know, try to mimic it. Um, what but, did you mean when yeah. you said spacing? Uh, if you're kind of describing this to a B or an A player, how do you space yourself as a setter? Um, well, yeah, so spacing and squaring to the net, I, I guess, would be two. They kind of go together. Um, but I think a lot of times we tend to run to the ball and then try to contact it. Um, but when we're setting, you know, we want to be able to move through the ball. So it's kind of, you know, as your partner's setting, you kind of want to move to a spot that's, I don't know, two feet behind the ball so that you have space there to have your platform and then move through through the ball because that's you know you get to your your partner reads so much from your body on how you're sitting so it gives you room to to actually square and be facing and they can kind of read the ball off your arm off your body where you're not turning um you're very much just square with with the ball in front of you and then you just move through it Um, and when when you say square uh and for for a lot of us Maybe this just comes from a personal point. Uh, somebody told me square up, I think maybe for two years, and I had no idea what square actually meant. I right. just heard it and I was like, kind of assumed. But it, you mean face with your chest, toes, knees, hips, shoulders, towards where yeah. you want to set? Correct. Okay. And where do you teach your players if you're coaching yourself or, or some other place? Where do you teach them to square up to? Are you an antenna person? Are you a 
you know, face the sideline or are you to where you want to sit? Um, I would say I'm more to where you, where I want to sit. Um, I, and again, if it's kind of, again, it just, it kind of depends on where you are on the court. So I would, to where you're going to sit. Um, the only time when you're not, well, and I guess you are, you know, going to square where you're set, but wait, if you've got a really tight ball, um, that was again, another big thing that I worked on. You know, if you're maybe eight to 10 feet off the net or seven to 10 feet off the net in that range, you're going to be facing the net a little bit more with your shoulders to set an up and down ball versus when you go inside anywhere from like tight on the net to kind of about seven feet, Mm -hmm. I would say it's kind of when, at least for me, when I turn completely and I'm facing the sideline of the court. Um, so it's that that's a big ball that is is passed kind of on the seven to eight foot line is a tricky a tricky ball. You're like, should I go ahead and, and and turn all the way, or am I still facing and I just have to have my arms higher so that that ball kind of goes straight up? Yeah. Um, but no, I've just heard a few different methods on yeah. you know like uh, pre with with optimum. She uh, she was always preaching. Uh, I I hear her say it says peak pole set hold or peak pole lift hold um uh-huh. where she says like square up to the antenna every time to me i think that's a, just a simplification where it gets you in the right area of lined up and it's a nice key because it gives you something physical that you can make your body go to right. um more specifically i ask my players i say square up to exactly where you want to set often yeah. Where you want to set is on the way to the antenna, so that works out consistently. It really does. Right. Um, and having a physical object that you need to point your belly button to is right. is a really nice key for people to have. But I right. still think of it like kind of NBA. If you, if you're shooting in the NBA, you know you pull up, you face the basket, and you release. It's not like right. you're going to like face sideways from the three point line and throw it off of your shoulder unless you're in trouble. Right. So. In terms of accuracy, I think it's just where do you want the ball to go? That's where yeah. you line up. But that's just our school. Yeah. But and I think the biggest the biggest thing to take away from that is wherever you line up, just set the ball there mm. because that's going to be the easiest thing for your partner to read um, a certain way. And then you're shoveling, like you said, you know, if you're at the three point line and you shoot a ball this way, you know, one you're not going to be very accurate, consistent, um, and no one's going to know what you're doing. Which you want your partner, you want your partner in this case to know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, because they're the one that's going to be hitting what's coming off your arms. So they're, when we're hitting, we can be a little more discreet, but when we're setting, we want to be very readable, I think. I agree. Yeah. And people don't realize how they throw off their hitter's timing by different speed of touches, different speed of leg lift, different speed of platform lift. Um, contact where you contact the ball, whether you contact it high or low. Right. Um, and then yeah. the little, the fun stuff when you get to that next level of, how can I control time by sinking and getting low before the touch or right. accelerating the play and, and setting from a higher, faster point? That's where yep. it gets, you get into the weeds and it's tough to explain that to a B player, uh, but that's when it, it gets is. real fun. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. It's tough to train it too sometimes because it's so picky. It's like, well, that set, I mean, again, looks perfect. Like it hit the right spot. It went to the right height, whatever. But, you know, if you contact it lower versus, you know, higher and it's going to the same spot, you're giving more time in there. And that is going to be different for your, for your hitter approaching the ball. Like if they're, if they're coming all the way from the end line and they're running towards the ball, if I can contact that ball lower, I can still kind of give my partner a low set. It doesn't have to be super high, but I can give her time with a low set versus giving time with a super sky high ball. Yeah. 
And it's like, you know, there's, we talk about rhythm so much. People talk about rhythm. That is so hard to define it the is. rhythm of a set. But if you imagine that however you look when you set, somebody should be able over time to predict at what point in your set the ball is going to come off and what speed it's going to come off of so that they can almost like dance with you or, or, you know, we, we call it like jumping into a double Dutch, you know, yeah. like it, you have to time it and the timing of the double Dutch person, the people who's holding the ropes that has to be consistent so that you know when you can jump in. And for setters, if you jerk, when you set, if you like make a fast movement or the next time you make a really slow movement, or sometimes you have super fast hands or sometimes you have super slow hands, you're changing the speed of those ropes. And then whoever's trying to get into your double Dutch or trying to tango with you, they, they don't know when they should get in that dance. Yep, for sure. It's a tricky thing. Tricky. Dance, it's tricky. tough. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Not for Chad. <laughs> Chad. Chad gave a big cough back here. So, mm. <laughs> We've been we've been reeling. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna throw a few more reels coming out here. We're very excited oh, about yeah? a real game. Yeah, you'll see. It's the next hot thing to hit Instagram. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll be on the lookout. <laughs> I love uh, a good reel. So, Sarah, do you have any warnings for people who are trying to get to the position you uh, are in, or like if you looked at you know, Sarah from the last ten years ago? Anything yeah. that you would say, hey. Just don't fall into this. Don't do this, or this is going to be rough. Um, I, you know, for me again, I've just my whole process has been one step at a time. Uh, my like one of my goals in life is just balance and everything in moderation. And then I would say another thing is just like finding joy and happiness in the journey and the process. Um, I think if if you're missing that part, you know, no goal is is really worth it if if the day to day is so you know if you can't find the joy and the happiness in that because I think when you it doesn't matter you know you you win a medal you win a tournament you know that last you know just for like a little bit um, but everything that you built and you put into that you know that's those are the defining moments that's what kind of made you that player that was capable of winning something winning that title um, so I think it's really important to be proud of the process and proud of the journey, what you do it like day in and day out, the little stuff, because that's what makes you, you know, a champion at the end of the day, when you're able to use those skills to showcase it and actually win something. So I, I think winning the actual medal or the trophy, you know, it's great and it's, it's fun, but, but ultimately it's, you know, it's the journey, it's the process and you've got to learn from that day in and day out and you've got to enjoy it. So um, do you have any, that's my focus uh, little places where you go, things you say or activities that you do at the, the days or times when it becomes consistently unenjoyable. For me, it's always a big, long trip to another country or a camping site. Like once I can get into nature and be completely alone and do li like literally days of writing, I usually come back to those refreshed. But do you have anything uh, where it wasn't going well for long enough and you took a breather or a method to say, how do I enjoy this again? Yeah, I think, I think for me, family is just huge. Um, my sister just had, uh, she just had her second kid. Yeah. I have two little, two little nephews. Yeah. And they're, they're great. I've been with my husband. We've been together for 15 or 16 years. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I've, I mean, I just have a really great support system. Um, I still, I, I work with my brother. I'm really close with, you know, my parents and, um, they've just, they've kind of been a guy, um, my dad, you know, kind of coaches in tennis, but he really understands like the mental part of sports, you know, mm -hmm. whether or not he 
I mean, he's just, he's able to coach. It doesn't really matter what the sport is. I feel like he could be on the sideline and and kind of coach anybody just because it's less about the skill, about your mindset and your composure on the court, how you handle yourself, how you deal with a loss, how you deal with a win. Um, so I just, I don't know, having having that really solid sports system. And, and I've had really awesome coaches um, that kind of mimic and, and have some of the same components that, you know, my dad was able to teach from a young age. So um, I, yeah, for me, family, family's huge. Just being able to spend some quality time with them. So is that like you just go and you're just like, you know what, I'm exhausted. Um, and you don't use them, but you say like, Hey family, want to have a barbecue day or a lake day or a boat day? Is, is it something like that? Or are you just yeah. like a call and a text and you just you know, know that they've got your back? Yeah. Sometimes it's just a, it's, it's a phone call. Um, my, I've, I've had lots and lots of phone calls with, with my dad. Um, they turn into like hour long phone calls, but he just constantly surprises me with, you know, different sports analogies and stories that he's had, you know, from sales, whatever, there are other stories, um, but he's just got a whole wealth of knowledge. I should be writing when he talks to me, I should just be writing this stuff down because he's told me so many cool stories um, in this part, this chapter of my life that, you know, maybe he didn't even tell me when I was playing tennis and indoor volleyball, a lot of really cool stories and information and advice from him over the last couple of years. That's been, it's been really cool. And he's, you know, they're so, they're very supportive of, of my journey and what I'm doing. So that's, that's definitely helpful. You know, if you don't have that, then I, I think it would definitely be easier to fall out, you know, when you go through, mm. go through rough times. So, um, yeah. Sounds Family, like your friends dealt a nice hand in the uh, family department. It sounds like you're playing. Yeah. It right. Yeah. I was. All right. Uh, well, Hey, our last, uh, last two questions, uh, before we let you run back to your volleyball life is, uh, okay. are there any tools <laughs> or equipment uh, that are must haves for you at home in the gym on the court or on the road? Like physical, physical tools. And anyway, um, like your favorite bracelet or, uh, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Actually, one of my, one of my favorite tools as of recently is my electric ball pump. Um, that is clutch and I've, I've become kind of a ball pressure. Uh, oh, you're one of the snobs. I'm one of those. I'm a, oh. yeah, I've turned, I've turned into one. I know it's terrible. Oh, it's but, not uh, 3.8 uh, PSI. Well, no, I just, it's, it's tough and, and, California and Florida sometimes if you have you know a really hot day and then like a cool day and you get a get a big adjustment but no I I will I will I'm a I'm a ball snob to a certain to a certain extent I have my electric ball pump to thank for that but it is nice when you're when you're traveling and every you know you deflate your ball to travel and then you get there and Corinne's over there pumping her ball up and I'm like just press the button and mine's sucker yeah (laughs) I lend it I lend it to her but that's a big one for me um tripod is, is okay. big, especially with uh, an online coach, uh, bands, you know, just your typical warm up band. And then do you I use the I have... string, do you use the hip bands. Do you have a heavy bands, like the big thick power bands or just no, like one I just... skinny arm band and one, uh, circle band. I have... Yeah. I have one circle band and one, uh, just like TheraBand. Okay. Um, and then I have two cups that I take with me. They're the little for cupping. Yeah. Silicone, oh, silicone nice. cups. Yeah, I'm nice. trying to think if that's if that's it, and then ibuprofen, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I'm not a big ibuprofen person, but you know, just it's in there just in case. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm currently living with two physical therapists, and we've we've had lots of inflammation discussions and talks, and right. it's like those are for when you need to perform or you need to get out of pain. 
you know, and yeah, they'll, they'll break down things over time and, and they also inhibit the cellular process of inflammation, but your body needs acute inflammation for injury repair. But if you're at the point where it's like, Hey, this is the championship. I need to be here right now. Right. And I don't need to feel pain to hold me back. I think that's a yeah. good time for ibuprofen. But if you're like me and you were popping them like M&Ms in college and, and indoor pro, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I used to be like, ugh, I would say I, I used to take like under five or 10. I'm, I'm like under 10 a year. Oh, nice. Like that was kind of my, I, I, I've maybe taken a few more this year, but you know, mm. but yeah, just if you, if you need, not, I'm not like a, oh, I feel a little bit of, a little bit of pain. I'm going to pop something. I kind of like my body to kind of feel it out mm-hmm. to kind of understand where my baseline is. I feel like <laughs> if you just keep taking ibuprofen all the time, you, you lose that. Yeah. And secretly it so, just destroys the inside of your stomach. Yeah. It's not good for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, I was, um, I was yeah. on eight a day for a while. Uh, Ooh. Which is, oh yeah. 1600, like prescription strength, self-prescribed. I was like, maybe something is wrong about this. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good place to be. That's not a good place to be. Uh, and lastly, are there any projects outside uh, of volleyball that you're working on right now that uh, you want people to know about, or you got kind of in the works? Um, no, not, I mean, I'm just, I, I kind of my, my brother, my um, brother-in-law and my husband are all kind of, they're building houses in North Carolina. And I help with that a little bit on the side, some remote stuff. Um, and my dad's got beach bub going on mm. and I'm just kind of focused on, on uh, traveling. We're going to be, we might be gone for like a month and a half. So busy year for you. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And then just, you know, focus good aunt. That's, that's the other, all my, my sister's kids, my friend's kids and just anti-skirm. Yeah. And they're going to look at yeah. you like, like a superhero anyway, which is <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's, that's always cool. Yeah. My, my two nieces, they just, just started playing volleyball and it's oh, that's so fun. super fun. And they, they found out that a few of their like coaches like know who, uh, who our company is and who I am and yeah. they get like a little extra credit there. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. But it's so fun to see them picking it up and to be able to play with them. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's it cool, cool seeing little kids pick up the sport and just, just be addicted to it right off the bat where they're just mm-hmm. running around the house, just bumping to themselves. Yeah. Love it. Knocking things over, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. This is why we can't have nice things. Right. Taylor Smith. <laughs> Well, Sarah, thank you so much. Uh, I know we went a little bit over time. I appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge and help out oh, a good. bunch of players and do this episode. Thanks, thanks yeah. for having me. I hope I hope I was able to shed a little light on, you know, little tidbits of my volleyball life with everybody. So. Oh man, you gave so many, so many good tips for Whoops. anybody who can listen and just like pick it up right there. You know, we keep talking to our players and they're like, oh, you know, I listened to this episode on the way to practice, on the way to league night, and I applied it immediately. So just from your setting tips and, you know, at least your, like, block adjustment and communication, somebody's going to listen to this and they're going to apply it immediately and they're going to be better for it and they're going to be happy that that, uh, we got you on. So thank you so much for sharing that. Well, thanks, Mark, for having this podcast and, you know, spreading your knowledge to everybody. Your videos are great. Your videos pop up all the time, and I think they're awesome. Like I said, my husband would watch them when he was getting into... When he first kind of started playing, I would tell him things. He doesn't always want to hear them from me, but then you would say it on your reel, and I would just be like, "Here's Mark. Mark said it. He's and then and then you know he goes and does it. So nice. I appreciate it too. 
happy to subversively coach your husband for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll see you on the sand. Appreciate it.